Hewler and Motes are on the air. This is the Steelers Blitz on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. SNR, Steelers Nation Radio. Noon on a Thursday afternoon. Mike check. This thing on. Chris Carter, Wesley Euler, with you here on SNR. You know, that guy, Arthur Motes, I mean, he's just taking all kinds of days What's off. What's up with that guy? Vacation last week. I mean, he's doing Steelers TV stuff today, all day. Ah, you know, preview for the, the regular season. He thinks he's such a big deal. Oh, my God. You know, Chris, I got to say, I'm, I'm happy that you don't, you know. Big time, big <laughs> I know I'm not a big deal. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so uh, we're changing things up here a little bit on a Thursday, but not really. I mean, Chris was with us last week. You guys are familiar. Yeah. Uh, we're at noon now. We were at three last week, uh, but you I know like the drill. This. I, I like, like this much this. more, too. Yeah. Much more. I mean, the three. Hey, don't get me wrong, because Chris, I know there are a lot of people that do a lot of real work for a living, right? Mm-hmm. And not that what we do isn't hard at times, and not that there's times where, I mean, you know, we were just talking about it. You got a bunch of articles to write today. I was up at 4.30 this morning because I produced the DVE morning yep. show today. Yep. Like, there's times where we work hard. A lot. But we don't unload trucks. Right. We don't do landscaping. We're not, stuff. We're not building construction houses and mm-hmm. pouring concrete, anything right. like that. You're not sitting over thousands of case files trying to make people innocent. Exactly. Yeah. We're not working at a restaurant <laughs> or a retail store where you have to We're talking. Deal, where you have to deal with jerks all the time. Yeah. We are we are here talking. Um but I I much rather talk at noon as opposed to 3. Absolutely. I just like getting home in a better hour. Get up, get your day started, get the work done, you know, be home by 4 o'clock. That's much more than you – know, I like that much more than the, the 8.30 that we were getting home during training camp yeah. every night. Yeah, if that. <laughs> if that, exactly. Uh, but you guys know the drill. Anytime over the next two hours you want to chime in, you can find us on Twitter, at Wesley Euler at Carter Critiques. We've got a whole bunch to get to today. But, Chris, uh, yesterday we saw the video from Ryan Shazier. He posted to his Twitter account in the morning, oh. officially announcing his retirement from the game of football. And then he was uh, – he did like a – I guess a formal, I almost said informal, but no, it was a formal press conference uh, later on in the day yesterday. We'll play you some clips uh, from that, particularly what Kevin Colbert, Steelers GM, had to say. But Chris, uh, I didn't get a chance to talk with you about this last week, obviously, because this news broke yesterday. Uh, just your thoughts when, when you saw the video from Ryan Shazier and when you, when you heard the official retirement news. It was, uh, I mean, you knew it was eventually coming yeah. just because even if Ryan Shazier could get to the point where he could physically play football, I don't think there's a doctor or a pe- person in the Steelers organization or in the NFL that would want the risk, the chance that he may run, he may be able to hit, he may be able to catch, he may be able to, to, to do whatever he wants, but if something goes wrong, it would be the most terrifying be thing. be catastrophic. I was there in Cincinnati when he got hurt in 2017 on December 4th, and I just remember looking down the press box and every single person was like this game doesn't matter like we we don't care about yeah. football right now we like the like you know how you tweet stuff during games no one was tweeting anything everyone was just like god that just happened and is he going to is he alive is he okay like is he going to ever walk again like we we still didn't even know that he was actually paralyzed we just didn't we didn't see him move it, you know no thumbs up it was terrifying and to go from that and see the Steelers try to support him with the Shaleev movement, and then you know Roosevelt and Nick sh- showing the fifty shirt when he mm-hmm. delivers that big hit against the Ravens. Shazier walking across the field at Friday Night Lights at oh, training camp. Man. Him walking out for the, NFL, the NFL, draft, NFL draft. Him dancing with his wife at his oh. wedding. I mean, to see all these victories of how far he's come, and, and to see him head held high. I'm retiring, but I got stuff I'm doing moving yes. forward. That. That's a true victory, Wes. That that that's the kind of stuff 100%. that sports, that, like you don't get in sports all the time, and that's one of those things that in life that is like that. That's the real victory out of this situation. Ryan Chazier said that he fell in love with the game of football at age five. 
Yeah. It was taken away from him at age 25. That's crazy. 20 years, two decades. Yeah. I tell you what, if he attacks the next chapter of his life with that same intensity, it's in the next two decades, the lives that he's going to impact, the things that he's going to do yeah. are going to be phenomenal. Uh, I, I echo everything you just said there. I mean, <laughs> I was talking about this yesterday with Moats. You know, Moats was telling me that, you know, I've had family funerals before, like tragic family funerals. Yeah. And he said, even those weren't quite as somber as the Ryan Shazier yeah. situation. And you can, I mean, you can hear in his video that he posted on Twitter, when he officially says those words, I have decided to announce my retirement, he pauses for a few seconds. Yeah, he, he, it was not easy for it him to say It was not easy for him, even though, like you mentioned, Ooh. I'm sure in the back of his mind he's known this for a little while, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sure for now probably at least a couple weeks or a month or so that the Steelers and, and, and Ryan planned on yesterday being the day to make that public. He even said during the, during the Zoom conference that, you know, someone asked him, "Was did COVID spread this? He's like, no, this was going to happen anyways. He's like, the only thing is different is that he would be around the Steelers a lot more right, right now. Right. And, uh, and I believe he is down in Florida uh, right now. Yes. And, and, and again, he, he did announce he's going to be doing the weekly podcast. I believe it's going to be on Tuesdays. Yes, correct? every Tuesday. It's said on Spotify. Yep. I didn't get the name of the podcast. I know it's uh, Via the Ringer, which the is, Ringer. you know, the, the I believe that's Bill Simmons' media company, Gosh, right? Gosh, I hate that guy. Yeah, me too. <laughs> well, to be fair, any Boston media homer, I don't like. Mm, yeah. <laughs> but you know what? Good for Shazier. Yeah, no, good. great for Shazier. That's a legitimate podcast platform, you know, like. Other than Barstool Sports, honestly, who I'm not a big fan of either, but like I think you and I can both agree Barstool does have the podcast game on lockdown. Mm-hmm. Like The Ringer might be kind of number two in that sports entity. I mean, the, the, their guys rank at the top of the, the, the Apple podcast right, charts. every week. So, yeah. Uh, Ryan Shazier, officially official yesterday. Uh, I wanted to play this because yesterday on the show, uh, we did play. We played, like I think it was like a two-and-a-half-minute video, the official announcement uh, video that – Ryan Shazier posted to his Twitter account. Uh, later on the show, we might play the, the full press conference uh, that Ryan had later in the day, but I wanted to play this clip right here. This is Kevin Colbert, the general manager of the Pittsburgh Steelers. He has been for 20 years. And Chris, this is going to hit Steelers fans hard here if they haven't heard it already. Yeah, um, this, yourself. this crushed me. And to be fair, Maybe a little caveat, and I've said this on the show before. I don't know if I've ever said this when I've been hosting with you, but Moats knows this. Our loyal listeners know this. I grew up in the same neighborhood as the Colberts when I was a kid. Mm, in fact, Kevin Colbert's son, Dan, was two years older than me and used to drive me to high school when I was like a freshman and a sophomore when mm. he was a junior and a senior. So to say that I've had like this long, really good relationship with, with Kevin Colbert would be an exaggeration, but I have known Mr. Colbert. He has known me since, you know, since I was in about middle school, high school age, if you will. Mm-hmm. This is a guy that is always straightforward, rock solid, business, never gets too high. You don't see emotion. Never gets too low. He's got that Tony Dungy face. He's he's a teddy bear, but you don't really see the negative emotion. Like, if that makes sense, you know what I mean? He's the nicest guy in the world. I know you you know this. He's mm-hmm. super approachable. He's always got time for everybody. He's always got a smile on his face. But you're right. He doesn't get too high. He doesn't get too low, even when the Steelers are having great success, even when the Steelers are are struggling to, to, to string together wins. Mm-hmm. I tell you all this about Kevin Colbert because I'm going to play about a, a 50-second clip here. Uh, Kevin Colbert surprised Ryan Shazier yesterday on his official retirement press conference, and this is what he had to say. You know, a lot of times when players' careers come to an end, we worry about what that next step is for the players because a lot of times they don't find their way. And the one thing I want to do is thank you for easing our worries from the day you got hurt to the day we're st- looking at you today, never once have you ever said, why me? And that gives us the strength and gives others the strength to know that any challenge you can't overcome and you have overcome. And that gives us great, um, it gives us great security moving forward, knowing that whatever that next step is, you're going to be successful. But I just want you to know you can retire from the game of football but you're never going to retire from being a Pittsburgh Steeler. And thank you for sharing your life and your career with us. And all the best to you, Michelle, and the boys. Thanks. Thank you, Kevin. I really appreciate that. You know, Stan Saverin, I think, said it best this morning, Chris. Yeah. Um, Stan said there's, there's no way to, <clears throat> to shake it. What happened to Ryan Shazier is a tragedy. But fortunately, it's got a positive ending. 
Yeah. Uh, this is a guy that also in this press conference, I mean, you want to talk about cutting onions, just stabbing you right in the chest with emotions. Ryan Shazier talking about how, you know what, I can still run with my kids. I can tackle my son. You know, like yeah. that. I, I tackled my son the other day and I had to say to myself, uh, you know what? Maybe I was a little too physical there. Maybe I shouldn't have tackled him that hard. You hear Kevin Colbert say, never once did Ryan Shazier say, why me? When that would have been an easy attitude for anybody to have, Chris. I mean, without a doubt, it was a routine play. He's made that same tackle hundreds of times in his Steeler career, in his Buckeye career. I'm sure going back to high school. Never once did he say, why me? Uh, Arthur Motes said yesterday on the show that when they went to visit Shazier the following week, he was asking uh, them about assignments for their next game. Like, Jesus. didn't want to wallow in what happened. That's, what he, that's, that's how he carries himself. I don't, I, I don't that, understand and that, the fortitude. And, and, and I think that why, that, that's a great word there. The fortitude is why. That while this story will always be a tragedy, there's a positive ending and there's a lot of hope going forward about what he's going to accomplish because he's not woe is me. He he was dealt the hand that he was dealt, but he's looking at the positives and and he's trying to keep it moving forward. And again, that's the victory in all this. Like 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 where you know it is a tragedy, but through tragedy you can still find strength. You can still find victory. He's got a future ahead of him. He's made millions of dollars playing a sport. He yeah he had a, a horrible injury, but he's recovered from it. He danced at his wedding. He's playing with his children. He's gonna be able to you know continue a, a you know a career in media. He'll be able to dance at his children's at weddings. his children's wedding exactly, and maybe his grandchildren's weddings. Yep. Like there's so many great things. And he's still only, only twenty eight years old. That's what to say. He's, he's twenty eight. I'm 29. He's yeah, 28. Like, He's like, younger than me. Like, like that's just, oh man, it's it's so crazy. And and and, and Kevin Colbert's right about the why me. You know, I, I I'll sit in line at the drive-through at the Wendy's when it's taking too long. Yes, and I'll scream to the sky, why I, me? Yesterday, on my way to work, the vice president was coming through Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. and and they stopped. They do this all the time. They did it um, with Joe Biden a couple weeks ago. They did it with Donald Trump last mm-hmm. year. They stop traffic on the Parkway. Yeah. When the when the p- politician gets to the airport, they stop traffic Nightmare. on the Parkway. I was sitting there for almost 20 minutes because I got caught right, right and you when, said, when... And when you said, why me? And I'm saying, why? Why me? Why does this always... Because I got caught uh, in the Biden one two weeks ago. I got caught in the Trump one last year. So I'm sitting there. I'm like, why? Why does this always happen to me? And I'm already kind of in a hurry to get to work. And I got to sit there for... It was like 16, 17 minutes, something like that. And this Dude, man... Dude, I, I, I won't complain the rest of the this, week. This, this, this man... Uh, give, give it 20 minutes. Give um, it 20 minutes. But, uh, but this man... He wasn't sure if he was ever going to walk again, yes. and he's sitting there. I mean, like you know, we it was a movie when Gary Pertier, you know, is saying that stuff in 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 the mm, in the good, hospital room. And remember the Titans. That's a good parallel. This was real life. This was a man who, in the prime of everything, and and, and it, it wasn't just not that this. All, all we matters is how good he was. He was playing great. Oh, no, that great. matters. That definitely matters. He was and playing great. It, it matters, too, that it was a primetime rivalry game. It wasn't Sunday at 1 o'clock, a right. throwaway game against the Oakland Raiders. And, and and he was in the middle of putting together his best season, looking like I me. Mean, we were all comparing him to Polamalu as a linebacker with the way that he just continued to make plays. Just two years before that, he saved the Steelers by ripping the ball out of Jeremy Hill's hands. He was, he was on his way to being an all-pro inside linebacker that season, and Everything just stopped right there, and to, to just and, and like you, I can't imagine the like sitting in a hospital bed thinking like I was on my way to that. Yep. And this is what happened. A guy, a guy who stated multiple times that it was his goal to be a Hall of Famer one yeah. day. Yeah. And, and and through all that, he never let it slow him down. He never let it stop. Him. He went right back to work, working yeah. as soon as he could. He got his legs back again. He danced at his wedding. He's playing with his kids. That's, that's that's a real victory here, y'all. That's the Ryan Chazier story, and, and and the thing is, it's not even close to being over because we're gonna get to see this guy a lot more. He was one of the most insightful football players while he played. He was one of my favorite people to talk to in the locker room. I can't wait to hear him talk more now that he's out of the game and now that he's recovered, and he's gonna keep you know being able to spread his insight, his knowledge, and just his spirit throughout the world for us to understand it. Like I said. He fell in love with football when he was five years old. He played for two decades. Ryan Chazier brings that same intensity to the next stage, the next chapter of his life. He is going to accomplish fantastic things. And you know what, Chris? I mean, last I was going to say last thing I'll say about Chazier for now because, uh, I mean, it's like we're never going to close the book on this guy's story, obviously. Right. Uh, Kevin Colbert said it there, Pittsburgh Steeler for life, and I think we all agree with that, mm-hmm. uh, maybe even more so. 
Pittsburgh will ride for this dude forever. Oh, yeah. He is one of our own. He is ours. He is cherished. He is beloved forever. 30 years from now, like we were no. talking about, if he brings his grandkids back to Heinz Field and gets introduced at halftime, th- they're, they're going to blow the they're, roof. They're well, part it, of the family. it might not even be Heinz Field in 30 years. Yeah, it might yeah, be yeah. another building. Be. Might won't be another be. building by then. But but they're they're going to they're going to blow the roof off that uh, that facility every time he's in Pittsburgh. Uh, he's a Steeler for life. And, and Western Pennsylvania will ride for him and with him forever. Absolutely. I'm right with you there. I mean, just I, I, I think I, I think, you know, one of the one of the one of the sad things about not having fans this year, you know, we talk about Ben Roethlisberger coming through the tunnel and what that would have been like. Like Ryan Shazier just running through the tunnel. Not and not to play, just just to be there. Yep. I mean, you could you could have him walk out in front of the team every single game, and pe- this city would lose its mind. Maybe he'll become a new renegade man. one day. I mean, you know? I mean, <laughs> that would be that would be amazing. I mean, he and he was a renegade when he played, he man. Was. Like he was, and he was changing that defense. You know, uh, someone had the, had the not not that this would happen now because of how draft positions would work, but someone brought up like, what if him and Devin Bush, oh. and T.J. Watt, and Bud Dupree, and, right, and, and I mean, the Steelers would have never gone up to get right, Devin Bush if with, he was still Ryan healthy. Dude, but, but it's still fun to imagine. Oh my gosh, just the the Steelers. Dude, he was. That's the craziest thing to me is that at about at 28 years old right now, he would be about at his absolute peak, his yep. absolute prime. Yep, this would be him right now. And Chris, we know crazy. how good he was in 16 and 17. The NFL is even more tailored to his game now. now. Yep. Three, just three years later. Yep. I mean, yeah, I'm with you. I think, you know. He would be mentioned right there with with the Bobby Wagners, you know mm-hmm, what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. and and I know he's retired now, but the way we talked about Luke Keekley the last few years, like he would be right there He'd with right those there. guys. He would kind of be, you know what? From the from like the Wagners and the Keekleys, um, to like now like uh, the Tremaine Edmonds yeah. and the Devin Whites and the Devin Bushes, there was kind of a gap there. Mm-hmm. There was, and that was Shazier. I mean, Shazier he, was still he, in that gap. he would have been the guy that was you know a couple years younger than than Wagner and and Keekley, but you know was a few years older than Edmonds and Bush and White. Like when he got hurt, if you he had the if you combine passes, defense, and interceptions, he had the most of any linebacker in the NFL, Jeez. and he was pushing it with any defensive back as well. I mean, he was just on fire that year, and that's not to mention his <laughs> tackles and everything else and the forced fumbles. Um, that's just who the, as a player he was great. And something that Vince Williams said. Vince Williams said, "You were a great player, but you were a much greater person." Yes, and that's through all of this. Is that like we got to remember through all this? It's just a game, and you know, Mike Tomlin talked about how you can grow through the game. Game, and he saw him grow through the game, and that right there, that was just that's that that's the reality. Is that when you grow through the game and you become a better person, that's the bottom line. 100%. And that's who Ryan Shazier was. Again, is, is I'm saying that. Uh, like I said, this this morning I thought Stan Saver, Saverin said it really well that his story will always be a tragic one, but that it's got a positive ending. It's got a an optimistic ending, and I think that is a good way to put it. We'll hear from Ryan Shazier in the one o'clock hour. But up next, maybe kind of on the other side of the coin, good news in Steelers land this weekend as well. Cam Hayward isn't going anywhere. Woo. I want to discuss that with Chris on the other side. He is Chris Carter. I'm Wesley Euler. You're listening to Steelers Blitz on SNR. is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Chris Carter, he does not bob for apples in the toilet. That's a Sandlot. Every time we play the Green I, Onion song, dude, I gotta make a Sandlot I, reference. You, th- you threw me off, man. I gotta give you credit. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> He's like, no, I don't. <laughs> but, uh, but uh, no. Uh, Tomorrow, but, uh, great movie. <laughs> noon, our field? <laughs> I just, I mean, my, my Sandlot references are the obvious ones. Like, forever. <laughs> Some more what? Forever. <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't had anything yet. I mean, the, 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 the scene... 
uh, the, the scene where the kid where the kid pretends to be dead at the pool. Just <laughs> everything about that movie was so ridiculous. That and is, you know what? It's, a, it's an all-time classic. Uh, we got into the soundtrack conversation. Mm-hmm. Sandlot has a really good soundtrack. It does. It does. Because I mean, but when movies are period pieces, when they go back and they honor a specific time, and, and that's what Sandlot is. It's, it honors the people that grew up and they're on that time. Yep. And that uh, you know you played baseball outside. You know you, there was no video games. You just you went outside. You do those things. Neighborhood picnics every it, it, weekend it, in the summertime. Exactly like that era, and just the music that 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 got you through that era. That summertime feel good music. Right. Like that kind of stuff. That's what makes a great soundtrack sometimes. Because then when you dedicate it to that era, people are just like it's but I mean basically you're going through and playing the hits of a, of an era and anyone that lived that era is gonna it's, be like this is the best direct, ever it's a direct line to the it's nostalgia. Yeah yeah hundred yeah, percent. Um you know we we started uh you know with, with the Ryan Shazier news and discussing that and that is positive in its own way and, and obviously very sad in its own way as well. Yeah. Chris now I want to discuss something that is entirely happy and positive. What's that? And that is Cam Hayward being locked up in the black and gold for the next Five years, cousin. Woo, woo. I got to tell you, I don't know if Cam knew it was going to get done. I wasn't entirely Listen, confident that it was going to get done. When he said it takes two to tango like a month ago, I was like, that's not a good thing I heard. <laughs> but Listen. Uh, one thing that my dad and I, when we were growing up, when I was growing up, he, you know, we would have this title called Mr. Steeler, like of an era. If you were Mr. Steeler, it wasn't just to be the best Steeler; it was to be the a, a great Steeler who also embodied what it meant to be a Steeler. Yes. You know, Heinz Ward, Heath Miller, uh, Troy Polamalu, James Ferrier. James, even Ferrier, though he wasn't drafted here, even though he wasn't drafted, but it does, you don't have to be drafted here to, right. to, to, to do that. Um, you know, but and, and one of the guys that we saw, Ryan Chazier, was on his way to becoming a Mr. Steel. I think he was really when he got when he got hurt. Yeah. Cam Hayward has been Mr. Steeler for at least six years now. Multiple like you know when he time, was young, Walter he was, Payton nominee. I mean, oh, I mean, oh my gosh, just all the things. I mean, even even in the young days, like when like when you remember that in that Panthers game when he tried to when Joey Porter tried to chest bump him and, and like Hayward's like yeah and he knocks him down. He's like coach, you okay? <laughs> like like just I forgot uh, all about that. Like, like just so, but there's so many cool Cam moments of like I remember. I remember uh, it, it was it was twenty it was twenty fifteen and the, the Steelers were on the road to play Cincinnati and he was interviewed before the game for a radio show and they said you know if the Bengals win today they clinched it and he just doesn't even let them finish it. he says not today they ain't doing it today not a, not no not while we're here and the Steelers whooped their tails that day and that was on their way to earning a wild card berth and then eventually beating the Bengals in the playoffs in a game where. Was it Reggie Nelson or the person who knocked down Mike Munchak? Mm. I can't remember if it was Nelson or Kirkpatrick. Um, I th- Nelson sounds right. But when he knocks down Mike Munchak, and then Mike Munchak gets up and pulls it yep. in. Like they're, they're, yep. You see, and he's coming after Mike Munchak. And, and this guy's yelling at a coach, and the Bengals are getting rally. You see Cam Hayward just step in front of Mike Munchak and say, back up. And the whole Bengals roster, yeah, well, we're not messing <laughs> with him. That that's who Cam Hayward is, and at the same time, he's not. He never, you never see him do the crazy thing, you know. He, right. It's not like he's not like dirty. Like guys don't fear that he's gonna take their knees out right. or something just, like that. He's gonna beat you physically yes. on the field, but he, like, but through the rules of the game, like we saw with Quentin Nelson. I mean, he's gonna yeah. drive you back yeah. into your quarterback. Yeah. Oh leg. my god. I mean, first of all, Quentin Nelson. <laughs> geez, I mean. That was that was abuse that day, and, and at the same, he's so classy because, yeah. like, like when someone someone tweeted like, man, Cam Hayward beat the beat the dog crap out yes, of Quentin Nelson, yes. and, and I never looked at Quentin Nelson the same. And, and Cam was like, that dude's that great. No like, sense to me. Like, like it made it, that, that was a, that was a nonsensical tweet. So what? You know? When Randy Moss had a good game against Revis, what we never look at Revis, Revis the, the same? same? Right, it's, and that, that was nonsense. <laughs> and Cam Hayward called it out. He was right. like, nah. It's not like it's a fifth stringer who ate Nelson's lunch. Like, mm, right, right. It was that was an <laughs> all Cam pro Hayward, defensive it's one of the tackle. Best five defensive linemen in the league. If there was a um my one of my one of my one of my funniest moments, it was my first away game I was covering for DKPittsburghSports.com. And it's the Bears game. They lose in overtime. The, the anthem mm-hmm. stuff happened. And so the, the locker room is tense. And I'm going in and, you know, Day and I, and I, Dayan and I, Dayan Kovacevic and I, we're, we're, we're heading into the locker room and, like, we're talking. He's like, you write up the defense. I'll write up the offense. We got a plan here. So as we go in there, um, I'm, like, looking around and I see Cam Hayward. And he's like, go get Cam first because he's usually the most responsive after these moments. And so I'm like, okay, so I see Cam Hayward, and Cam Hayward still has his pads on. The only thing that's off is his helmet. And his fists are clenched. His face is red. And you know, you know when you're like you're trying to calm yourself down, you're going and like he's shaking with anger about how that game ended. He is so furious. 
And I'm sitting there like, I'm not talking to that guy. And, and like, as I'm mid But you're going to go ask him the first question. Like, I'm like, I'm like, I'm not talking to him. And like, as I'm thinking that, Dayon just like puts his hand on my back and shoves me. He's like, go get him. And he just shoves me over to him. And I'm like, uh, Mr. Mr. Cam Hayward, sir, uh, just wanted to ask you what your thoughts are on defense. And while he's like doing that, while he's taking, he takes a deep breath. <sighs> he stands up and he answers my questions and was super professional about it. Never gave me any any lip. And, and, and I, I was sitting there like, wow, that was my first ever like angry interview or talking to someone who wasn't in a happy mood because the Steelers won the two games before that. Um, and I was just like, wow, he made that real easy. And then I turned around. I was like, hey, Mike Mitchell. He's like, don't talk to me right now. I was like, <laughs> okay. Um, I was like, okay. Uh, but, uh, but, but that, that's who Cam Hayward is. Yes. Man. Through, through anger, through joy, through all that, he knows how to be a consummate professional. He stands up for his teammates. He stands up for his coaches. He stands up for his city. Cause don't forget he's a local Pittsburgher. Um, everything about this was great because he's a he's a leader in the locker room he's a leader outside the outside the team leader in the community he talked about he was the one of the people that Steelers put up to talk about social justice issues and saying hey we're fighting to repeal pact 111 so we can give more protections to people from police brutality um there's there's so much that that he's doing and and this is such a win of a signing 100%. for the Steelers. This and it, it was there were two things about this training camp that had to happen that were that would have made this this offseason great and it was Ben being healthy and Cam being extended. Yeah. I think it's and that simple. I I think you crushed it there partner. I agree. I think it's that simple. And yeah, everything that you just touched on is why to me Oh, what's the guaranteed money look like? What's the cap yeah. hit look like? Doesn't matter. I don't care. If you truly think that you've got a two, maybe three-year window here, depending on how much longer Ben plays, and you're gearing up and you're going for it, mm-hmm. you there's not a single justification that you could have given me either on the field or off the field for not bringing that guy back. Now, if Ben was going to retire and you thought that you were going to be reloading, then it's a different conversation. Yeah. Certainly. But if you're going for it these next two, three years, you have got to have that guy both on the field and in the locker room. What you just said there about the media stuff nailed it, too. I think that's such an underrated aspect of being a leader. So many people that we think are leaders, or that, you know, depending on the sport, they might wear the C on their jersey or whatever, they tuck their tail and hide yep. whenever, whenever you know, it's time to face the, the noise, face the music. Mm-hmm. Ben Roethlisberger, good game or bad game, he stands up there and talks to the media after every game. And you know what? Even if it's not his fault after a loss, he still takes it. Mm-hmm. Cam Hayward, he will stand up there and he will talk to the media after every game, good, bad, indifferent. Sidney Crosby, every single game he talks to the media after the Penguins. Malkin doesn't do that. Alexander Ovechkin doesn't do that. You're right. You know, I, I, there are dozens of guys around the National Football League, big, prominent guys who don't do that. That is just as much a part of leadership as it is standing in front of, of Mike Munchak, as it is backing mm-hmm. up your quarterback, mm-hmm. as it is being the leader in that locker mm-hmm. room. Sometimes every team after a bad performance, just needs that guy who can be the shield. Yep. The one who can go and answer all the hard questions for everybody else, even if it wasn't their fault. That's Cam Hayward. That's Cam Hayward. He's the man. Yeah. Also, he would run He would run through the jungle for his teammates, too. Okay, funny funny, funny story here. Well, more like just a reference. Now, I, it's nothing that I can remember. This isn't me bragging. My parents tell me that I played Little League Baseball in 14th Ward with him at Frick Park uh, growing up. I don't remember. You gotta anything. get that picture. Well, see, that's got to be like, a team picture. Or something. Well, well, well I, I don't think it was a team. Thing. Like he was just in the league, and we played. Got, like, okay, but like every you. time he showed up, Ironhead Hayward showed up. His was dad there, yep. and everyone's. Like, and your dad Iron. probably thought that that was awesome. Yeah, he was. My dad's like, that's Iron <laughs> yeah. like I played with him in Texas Super Bowl in my second. Um, <laughs> but uh, but I'm sitting there, and you know, but like you know, I, I always tell it this way. I'm like, this is how you know Cam Hayward. Because uh, I get compared look-wise to him, because we're both light-skinned, we both got you know dark hair, similar beard, beard, you know, and, you know he's he's like six inches taller than me and, and uh, probably a hundred pounds heavier. What up? More, I'd say like fifty. But uh, but you know, and he's he's an athlete. But I always tell people like there's a reason why he's an All-Pro athlete in the NFL because he might actually pay attention to those baseball games. I went to the baseball games. My highlight of those games was afterwards I got a donut and Sunny Delight, and that's all I wanted was my <laughs> donut and Sunny Delight. And so that's why I'm sitting here talking about football. <laughs> And he's out there dominating the NFL. I love it. I love it. We got to get to break here. On the other side, we will hear from Ryan Shazier, his uh, his post-retirement press conference yesterday. Chris Carter, Wesley Euler, this is Steelers Blitz on SNR. Hey, Ryan. I was just wondering, what have been the most, uh, the most recent kind of physical milestones for you? Because I know everybody always loves seeing the videos of you box jumping or 
uh, or working out with resistance bands. Have there been any uh, recent milestones on that front? And also, did you get a chance to, to finish up your schoolwork uh, at Pitt, even once COVID and, and everything started? Yeah, so uh, I actually finished up my schoolwork at Pitt. Uh, unfortunately, um, <laughs> I was supposed to graduate. And uh, I ended up thinking I was going to get a C minus and I got a D. So I have to actually wait to the end of this semester to graduate. Uh, <laughs> you know, but uh, um, uh, you know, I'm trying to get back to what you had, what you had asked me. Um, <laughs> oh, man, I'm sorry. Uh, keep, if there were any recent, yeah, I was just asking, Ryan, if there were any recent milestones in your physical training part of your comeback. You know, um, me, I'm still rehabbing. I'm still constantly getting better. And it was uh, one day uh, at, at my house. Um, I was doing rehab, and it's kind of cool because I could do rehab at our house, and you know that's kind of the convenience of COVID, you know. Um, and my son was like running away from me, and uh, it was kind of funny because I was actually he tried to run away from me, and I actually like tackled him as if I was playing a football game. And I, I think I tackled him a little too hard, but it was it was kind of funny. So I thought I was kind of like an achievement that I actually. Uh, was able to tackle my son, even though he's not a NFL running back. But I thought it was kind of kind of cool, you know, just to be able to chase your son and actually play with him. And when they try to get away from you, you can actually catch them and, and, and tackle them and stuff like that. So, okay, two more. Brooke Pryor, Brooke, go ahead. Ryan, you mentioned your son just now, and I know you said you fell in love with football when you were five. One of them is around that age. Are you starting to see them fall in love with football? And how much fun do you think it's going to be? Or, or what is it going to be for you as a parent going through everything that you've been through to see them kind of go through maybe falling in love with your sport? So, honestly, my five-year-old, when it comes to football, he's probably like the least knowledgeable five-year-old about football. And, and, and I'm not even saying it. Like, he understands what football is, but, like, if you tell him, like, hey, this is a receiver, he doesn't know it. And um, I never really try to push it on him. You know, uh, I wanted him to – if he came to me, like, hey, Dad, like, these kids were playing football, and I want to I wanna learn – like, he knows what football is. He know I played it. But if he's like, hey, Dad, I want to learn how to play it, then that's when I'm like, hey, you know, I'm going to give you all the insight, all the tools I have for it. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm going to let him be the one to say, hey, this is what I want to do, you know, and, and that's the same thing for Lion. Um, I want them to be able to come to us and be like, hey, I want to play football. I want to play basketball. I want to play baseball. Or, you know, or they just might be like, hey, I, don't, I, I want to be a journalist or I want to be a teacher. You know, like whatever field they come to us and say that they're excited about, that's what I want to do and lead, lead them towards. And um, I never really kind of pushed it on them. You know, when I was five, uh, my dad was always at the football field, and he was uh, a coach, so I used to go with him a lot. And you know, RJ used to start going with me right before I got hurt to things, but um, he was he was so young, it was kind of hard. So, but uh, if he comes to me and like, hey, dad, like we we're playing football at school, and it was really fun. I, I would like to learn more. Then you know, I'm a I'm an open book. You know, I'm, I'm helping NFL guys. Uh, I can definitely help my son. Okay, we have a follow-up question from Ed Bouchette. Ed, go ahead. Ryan, I see your house is up for sale. Are you moving from Pittsburgh? And if so, where to? No, I'm, I'm staying in Pittsburgh. I'm not going anywhere. Uh, uh, it's, it's for sale, but we're just uh, we're, we're just going to downsize a little bit. You know, it's, it's kind of big for, for me and my wife <laughs> and my son. So uh, we love it. Uh, but, you know, uh, I had some plans to do some some other things, but we're, we're just going to downsize some other Okay. One last thing before we take off. Uh, we have one more person that wants to say something to you, Ryan. So uh, go ahead. Hey, Ryan. Hello. Where'd I go, Bert? Hey, Kev, man. We got to get you uh, used to the Zoom. Hey, can you hear me? I hear you. I hear you. All right, good. Hey, listen. You know, a lot of times when players' careers come to an end, we worry about what that next step is for the players because a lot of times they don't find their way. And the one thing I want to do is thank you for easing our worries from the day you got hurt to the day we're looking at you today, never once have you ever said, why me? 
And that gives us the strength and gives others the strength to know that any challenge you can't overcome and you have overcome. And that gives us great, um, it gives us great security moving forward, knowing that whatever that next step is, you're going to be successful. But I just want you to know you can retire from the game of football, but you're never going to retire from being a Pittsburgh Steeler. And thank you for sharing your life and your career with us. And all the best to you, Michelle, and the boys. Thanks. Thank you, Kevin. I really appreciate that. I think that's a great way to end. Uh, Ryan, on behalf of everyone here at the Steelers, you're a class person on and off the field. Thank you for taking the time. I'm sure we'll see you soon after the pandemic ends. But again, thank you for taking the time for doing this. And on behalf of everyone, thank you and best of luck. Thank you, guys. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Steelers Blitz on SNR. Folks, I apologize. We've been all over the place today. We're having some technical issues in the studio. We had a visit from Merrill Hodge. We've been all over the place today. Uh, we're trying to get this figured out uh, so we can come back here, take your tweets, uh, get the three-question Thursday before we get out of here to hold us over while we're trying to figure some of this out. I got some good stuff for you. Last night, Joe Judge, the Giants head coach, uh, spoke to members of the Pittsburgh media, talked a lot about Mike Tomlin, who was one of his mentors as a coach, and the Steelers organization that he grew up rooting for. Here's the Giants head coach ahead of Monday night's matchup talking to some Pittsburgh media. Uh, obviously, we've turned the page completely from training camp. We're all Pittsburgh at this point going forward. You know, I just say, you know, opening remarks wise on the Steelers, look, very simply put, this team defines continuity in professional sports. You know, from the ownership of the Rooney family, who've done tremendous things in the development of the National Football League, for the good they've done for the players and the coaches in this league, we have a lot of respect and appreciation for how they helped develop our game. Obviously, three head coaches since 1969. I mean, all three have been as highly achieved as possible. We have a lot of respect for them. You know, play the Steelers. It's important for our players and coaches to understand the tradition and the culture that's in their DNA. They're a tough team from a tough city. They have a blue-collar mentality. This defense is very talented. They're experienced. They play together. They're tough. They're opportunistic. They make plays up front. They take advantage in the back end of mistakes you make. This offense is heavily explosive. Obviously, they have one of the greatest quarterbacks ever played the game. They have a tremendous collection of receivers, tight ends, and running backs, all of which can change the game on any play. They're only a few plays away from the end zone at any point in time. We have to respect everything they do. They run the ball very effectively. They throw the ball at will. They can extend plays, and Ben's obviously one of the best at getting the ball out of his hand fast. So they give you enough to work on both sides of the ball. And the kicking game, it all starts with the specialists. You know, they've got you know, two big leg guys in Boswell and Colquitt. You know, obviously that was a big addition bringing Dustin in. You know, a left-footed punter. You know, that's always a kind of a novelty to some people. But this guy's been tremendous throughout his duration of his career. We have a lot of respect for him having gone against him in the past and other teams. You know, and then starting with the returns to add back people up to see what they do on kickoff return where it finally sells punt return. But, you know, whether it's McLeod, whether it's Johnson, both guys are very explosive with the ball in their hands. We've got to do a tremendous job in space of, you know, playing with leverage and tackling. I know Mike's got those guys practicing and playing aggressive. That's just the way he is in person. I have a tremendous amount of respect for him as a coach for what he's done for me personally in my career and giving me the opportunity as a young coach to tag along at times, you know, and impart on me some of his experiences that have helped me develop my own career. Uh, I was unaware of your uh, history with Tomlin, Coach. Can you can you give us a little bit uh, more elaboration on uh, your interactions over the years? You know, very simply put, uh, when he was an assistant in the league at the time, really Minnesota, I got to meet him simply by answering phones when I was GA for Amos Jones. And he'd call Amos sometimes. Amos would say, hey, grab that phone and, and talk to Mike for a minute. So I got to meet him briefly through the phone. Shortly thereafter, he was a head coach at Pittsburgh. Uh, to be honest with you, I immediately became a Steelers fan because there were some, 
you know, amongst him and Uncle wasn't good to me that, you know, were good enough to give me an opportunity to tag along with them. I was able to visit them, you know, early in his tenure at Pittsburgh when I was a GA. Uh, there were times at the Combine, he allowed me to be a fly on the wall, sit there and have dinner on, you know, on his check. So I'm very appreciative of that. But uh, he was always very open for a conversation, very open to share some advice when it came up. So I have a lot of respect for him as a person. I have a lot of respect for him as a coach. He's done tremendous things in his career. Tomlin spoke uh, with a future praise about Dexter Lawrence yesterday in his conference call with us. Uh, I was wondering if you can, since you got on board, tell us what you thought of his skill set. Is this a guy that you see moving up and down your line quite a bit, or is he maybe getting hammered into one position and just shine there? Uh, how do you view him since you've gotten him um, the coach there? Yeah, we're going to preach versatility for all of our players at all times. So game by game, we'll have to see what the best matchup is for our players, the best opportunity to put them in a position of strength. So to answer your question real simply, you know, week by week, his role is going to change based on where he lines and how we're playing. But he's a tremendous worker. He's, a, he's got a great energy and urgency on the field. He's very attentive in meetings. I love working on a daily basis. He's always got a big smile, but you can't confuse that smile for being soft. This guy brings a lot of heat to the field. He's, he's a pleasure to work with, and we love having him on the team. Um, just wondering, with, with the fact that Ben was out for so much of last season, how much do you kind of watch – what they did last year without him versus going back to, to two years ago, the last time you really uh, had a chance to, to study him over the course of a full season? Well, I think there's a lot of things you got to consider. First off, I mean, Ben's a tremendous player. He's been great in this league for a long time, well over a decade. So obviously there's going to be some things that carry from his past, whether it's directly early in last year, whether you go back to 2018, you've got years and years of tape to watch on Ben and what he's done well. And you have to factor in for all. You know, Look, Randy's been there for a long time with Ben. Obviously, they have this very strong relationship. You know, Ben's been there with Mike for a long time. There's a lot of communication between those guys and what they do. You know, we'll see what Matt Canada's influence on the offenses. I'm sure he's going to bring some new multiples. We'll have to see as the game, you know, unfolds, you know, what it ends up being. I wouldn't be surprised to see new wrinkles at all. We're going to prepare for whatever comes our way and adjust within the game. But at the same time, what's made them good over time is their ability to do what they want to do, and that's play a physical brand of football, to run the ball effectively, to throw the ball when they have to throw the ball and create explosive plays. Um, quick question. Uh, you, Everybody's kind of had this, you know, wondering about how good your offensive line is going to be. Playing Pittsburgh, is this going to be a really good indication of where you are? Look, I think playing any team in the National Football League is a good indication of where you are. Everybody has talent. Everybody has ability. This defensive line we're going to see this week is obviously the measuring stick for talent and success. They've done tremendous things on the field. You can't talk about the top defense in the league without talking about Pittsburgh year in, year out. So, look, they've got a ton of talent on that defensive front. They use it very effectively. They can play with scheme, but they don't really need it. They just have to get off on the ball and play their physical strengths. You know, they're extremely talented, and we have our, hand, we have our work cut out for us this week. Okay. As far as – I mean, this is a strange offseason, right? So there's no preseason at all. How much of that can you do you view as an advantage? Because the reality is – yeah, they're going to go back and study Jason Garrett or Pat Graham, but nobody really knows what you're going to run, right? I mean, look, you can study enough tape of our coordinators and our systems. You can look into my history and get an idea of what it's going to be. I'd say the only advantage is going to be the team that comes out there and plays physically and sound on Monday night. So no matter what you've done in the past, no matter what we put together, it's all going to come down when that ball's kicked off, you know, who the most physical team on the field is. How much of an input will you have on play calling? Because obviously the, the whole idea was you're like the CEO, but are you going to be telling Pat, I want this run in this situation on game day, or is it more just game planning for your role? You know, as I said in my open press conference, you know, I'm not here to call the offense or defensive plays, and, and T. Mac and Tom are here to do the special team. So obviously I'm involved with all sides of the ball. I'm very involved with the day-to-day -day operation. I'm very involved with how the game's going to be unfolded. I want to be informed of how the game's going to be called, and I still have opinions. When we get to game time, I've got to let our coaches coach and our players play. I'll obviously be involved with all sides of the ball, but I'm not there to micromanage. You know, I hired good people. We brought in good players. we got to let them do what they do. Hey, um, I'm curious, when you're looking ahead to Monday night, and I know you touched on the Steelers' front seven a little bit, but how much more dangerous does going up against someone like T.J. Watt with an inexperienced center potentially, um, does that make that match up? And do you need to do anything to account for um, their defensive line in terms of calling out the protections and all that because – you know, this could be Nick Gates' first start at center. Well, here's the thing is, if you overplay T.J. Watt, you got Bud Dupree on the other edge, and he's just as fierce. So we've got to all you know, meet our matchups. We have to play smart as a team. 
we have to call it the right way as coaches, put in the right position. This all ties in the game planning of how we're working together. Uh, but simple answer, you have to account for really good players. Obviously, we have to account for really good players. And Watt, Bud Dupree, you know, go down the whole list of those guys. They're all really good. Is there a way that you simulate in practice those guys? I know they like to run a lot of stunts in, in Pittsburgh that can kind of get Nick up to speed on that sort of thing. Well, in terms of what they do on the front, you want to kind of give them a progression and a look at everything they do based on down and distance or situation. And that's a whole week process right there. It's up to us to make sure they see what they do in meetings, to give them a chance to execute on the field, and clean it up in post-practice meetings, you know, with how we have to handle it better. Now, that being said, because you have the history of what they've done, it doesn't tell you what they're going to do. So we have to prepare not only for what they've done, but also, also anticipate and play to our rules for anything that comes up that we have a way to handle it without panic or, you know, we never want to put players on the field and have them feel we weren't prepared for this. That's not what we're going to do. Now that you've been through a whole summer with Daniel Jones, is there any one or two things that you can look back on and say, I'm a little surprised by that about him? And as a second part of that, are you a believer that the quarterback and the head coach have to have a certain special relationship? You know, I think everyone's relationship is unique on a team. I try to have special relationships with all the players. I know it's your question about Paul. I think absolutely there's a lot of merit to what you has to ask. The quarterback and the head coach have to be able to talk. You have to be able to have it. Him being one of our captains obviously puts him you know, in a position that we're going to have a lot of conversations, not only involving football, but involving all aspects of the program. So that should open the platform to him and myself to talk a lot throughout the weeks. Um, you have to have a good relationship with all your players that are signal callers, especially because you have to trust them and they have to trust you. Okay, when it comes to the signal callers, I'm talking about the quarterback, the center, the Mike linebacker, the, you know, whoever the safety is on the back end is making your calls, your personal protector on the punt team. You know, these signal callers are critical, you know, to the units that are on. Ultimately, they're the quarterback when they're on the field, whether it's a quarterback or a defensive player, special teams player. They have to see the game the way you're presenting it to them. And you have to see the game the way their lens is on the field. And that only happens through a lot of conversation. So as you watch the practice tape, you watch the opponent, you may be saying as a coach, hey, look, I really see this this way. And they may say, hey, that's great, but on the field when I'm playing it, this is how I have to do it to give myself advantage. And that's how we have to be receptive as coaches to make sure when we get that feedback, we're smart about how we go ahead and we allow the adjustments to favor the players. And anything looking back when you look at Daniel and say, I didn't expect that from him? You know, I think the thing that sometimes people may miss on Daniel is, you know, he's quiet natured at times because he's not just out there spouting out, but he's not a quiet guy. You know, Daniel, you get him going, you get him talking, you get him in the huddle, you get him around the guys. Daniel's got a, a very big personality. He's very, you know, he's a great dude. So that's been a really pleasant surprise. I always knew he was intelligent. You know, I knew he was very respectful. I knew he was a hard worker. Um, but until we really got time to be with each other in person and spend a training camp together, you don't really see all those layers. Joe Judge, head coach of the New York Giants, speaking last night. Uh, a lot of glowing things to say there about Mike Tomlin. I didn't know that they had that relationship, that Tomlin was kind of like his mentor in the business, uh, speaking just glowingly. He, he said there, Chris, I don't know if you caught it at the very beginning, mm-hmm. Joe Judge said that to me the Pittsburgh Steelers personified continuity in American sports. He talked about Mr. Rooney. He mm-hmm. talked about it's always been an organization that he's admired, how when he was in New England, he knows that they tried to, you know, that the part of their uptick 20 years ago was modeling certain things after how the Steelers do it. Uh, some great stuff there from Joe Judge, who is, uh, you know, oddly enough, entering his first NFL game Monday night against across the sideline of the team he used to root for and, and the head coach who he considers his mentor. That's got to be a trip, right? Like, you know, you're sitting here like, man, I like this is the team that I've always modeled myself to to, to look up to. And like, oh, crap, that's them over there. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's my first game as a head coach. And it's my first game we as a head coach. We haven't had any preseason games. And that's the thing is this, like, and of all the years to have your first game of a head coach, this is the first time you're seeing your players react to an opponent. Mm-hmm. Like, on Monday night football, too, and, mind you, and, when and, you're y'all. the only game on at that yep. time every the whole nation's going to be watching you um i'm just oh this, this, this that, that's <laughs> a lot of pressure but at the same time it sounds like he's really interesting there and one thing joe judge he was a special teams coordinator he was uh for you know for the um for the, for the new england patriots and a lot of people are like well what does he have to bring to the table a lot of people don't realize the head coach's job isn't to ceo draw yeah he doesn't drop all the plays on both sides of the ball He's supposed to keep the ship going. He's supposed to he's supposed to manage everything. And a special teams coordinator, your job every year is to 
handle all these random guys that aren't starters. The misfits. <laughs> the misfits of the team. The guys that they're good and they're great athletes, but they're not the starting wide receiver. They're not the starting linebacker. They're not the, the running back that's going to keep the team afloat. you got to put all these guys together and every year put together a unit that makes that doesn't lead the NFL in penalties, that yeah. doesn't give up big True. returns. And, that and, put, and let's be honest too, right? Like If your special teams units are doing their job, yeah. nobody says No anything. one cares. But the one time you mess up, Everybody it's all knows. your fault. It, it, it's why I get on people for getting on Danny Smith. I mean, Danny Smith, I think he's had over his time here there's like there's been what two returns return for touchdowns and I think on at least one of them there was like an obvious block in the back of the Chargers two years uh, ago. Trust me, Desmond trust King, me. Two years yeah, cuz people were like, "Oh, that was such a horrible job by him." I'm like, "They had half the sideline open because no, of these was, illegal points." It was it was horrible. I mean, that was horrible. It was, uh, it was I'm not talking about that in the result of the game yeah. because hey, it's sports. Blown calls happen. Right. But don't blame that on Danny Smith. Right, but that, that, that's not a coach thing. You can't you can't I didn't coach the guy. I didn't coach yeah, the team to get, to get ready. blocked in the back. Right. Like they, they, right no is protection. literally right as you're about to make the tackle yeah. too. I mean, I remember you had Desmond King broken down. I mean, that that'd just be, gets that'd blasted. Be like, that'd be like Mason. Come on, man! Don't let Miles Garrett hit you over the head with a helmet. What are you thinking? Like that, that's that's it's it, it's it's ridiculous to oh, think. Oh, how that, could how could you let that guy T-bone you who ran a red light? Exactly. Like, like what do you mean? How right. could I let that guy who ran a red light T-bone me? <laughs> exactly. And so, but but the, that's the thing is that like. To be a good special teams coach, you have to be great managing people, yes. talking to people, communicating, getting your message across. And year after year, you're getting more changing pieces than the than any other unit. 100%. Because those guys that come in, most of those guys are guys that are on special teams. They're guys that wouldn't be on the team if they didn't prove themselves on special teams. And then next year, you're getting younger guys or new free agents, and you gotta you got to work them in as well. Especially, and that's why I think it's interesting for Joe Judge because – we're going to see how he manages the Giants. You know, I was talking to Patricia Chena uh, from Locked On Giants on the Locked On Steelers podcast. We did our crossover Thursday episode, which you should go check out. It's a great show. But uh, she was telling me how a lot of people are giving Joe Judge a hard time because he's making players run laps. Like, he's trying to in- institute this new discipline. and Taping tennis balls on guys' hands. Exactly, so yeah. So they can't hold. So they can't hold. Like, you know, things like that and old school, what, what seems old school methods. Um, you know, I think that that could be an interesting turn. Now, I think that there's a, there's a way to, to use those old school methods and a way to wear it out. Like yes, the way Tom yes. Coughlin for sure would wear good things example. out. Like good example. You know, if, if you're not if you're 15 minutes early to a meeting, you're late. Like you know those type of things. It's like calm down, dude. Like but and, and degrading your players, but you know teaching them these new methods. To say hey, we're going to find smarter ways to mm-hmm. get this message across so that you're ready for football. Um, I'm interested to see how how he works. It's an interesting story. It's a great interview there. Um, and uh, I, I definitely want to see what the Giants are doing, but I just think they have a tall task ahead of them because oh, this sure. Steelers team is revving to For go. sure. A lot of storylines to keep an eye on on Monday night, without a doubt there. Christopher Carter, Wesley Euler, one more segment to go. We'll get to your tweets. We'll also have a little three-question Thursday. Don't go anywhere. We'll wrap up the Steelers Blitz on the other side. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. To your tweets, we go in a second. But first, Chris, a little three-question Thursday for you. All right? All right, let's hit me with it, man. Let's get right into it here because we're on borrowed keep, time. Keep we're condensing here. Keep playing the music. Uh, a lot of unwritten rule conversation in baseball this uh this season, yeah. right? Uh, this guy's on second base, hitting grand slams with a 3-0 count. Side note, I saw the Atlanta Braves score 29 runs last night. <laughs> I don't know how that's not an unwritten rule in baseball. Hey, you almost hung 30. Don't hit a grand slam. Don't hit a, don't hit but it's cool grand. if you hang 30 on us. Like, what? But, Chris, my question for you, what's the worst unwritten rule in sports? It's it's You can't flip a bat if you hit a home run. Man, if I hit a ball 400 feet, into the stands or plunking into a river. If it goes over, just over the wall, I am throwing my bat as high as I want. I'm doing a dance. I'm doing the Dougie on first base. I'm crip walking on second base. I, I'm walking it I'm out like on the, third I'm like base. I'm the villain in Major League. I'm, I'm stopping and I'm putting my, my hand right. in my ear like I'm Hulk Hogan style. Exactly. Like I'm doing every single dance I want to do, and then I will just stomp on home, on home plate as soon as I get there and then point at you and be like, sup. And then come fight me, throw at me. I will treat you like Nolan Ryan, put you in a headlock, and punch, punch, punch the, punch the mess out of you. Like it's like, come on, man. Unwritten rules are so stupid. So dumb. Let the guys have fun. That's what makes the game great. Mm-hmm. I mean, like you look at football. 
I mean, people for years said, oh, the dancing will ruin the game. No one will watch because of the dancing. We don't like the dancing. Act Deion like Sa- you've been there before. Who, 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 who are the most popular players? The guys that show out. Deion Sanders, prime time. Whether you hated him or you loved him, you watch that kind of stuff. And it's like, come on. like Sports is supposed to be fun. It's, supposed to be, it's, it's, it's a fun game. It's not that serious. It's not that serious, man. And it, and it's so funny. The same people who, who like, the people who said, you know, I don't know if Cam Newton's dabbing is going to work in New England were the ones that said, don't you just love Gronkowski with how he spikes the football? <laughs> exactly. Get out of here, Gronk man. Gronk being Gronk. And it's just like. Every and and it's it's worse in baseball. Just let it the is. guys have yeah. fun. Like and and and, and you you feel bad showing up. You know what? You, you get shown up in sports. That happens. The, you signed up to do yes. that. Exactly. You're gonna win. You're gonna lose. Duh. Uh, for me, Chris, it's the idea that the postseason should be officiated differently than the regular season in football, in basketball, in hockey. It drives me crazy. Mm, no, I agree. I, I want you for for basketball, for the NBA and the NHL. I want you to call the same foul in Game Three that, you that you're calling in the postseason. I also uh, have a problem with uh, that, the that, NHL. That just, whole that just there. bothers me. I like. I don't like how the NHL during a normal year. Uh, over time, would go to shootouts in the regular season and then not in the postseason. I'm just like, well, I mean, see, I, I just like the entertainment aspect of the shootout in the regular but season. Saying, that's, if you want to do a shootout, yeah. regular, do it in the postseason. Or maybe after like two an overtime, then you do, you know what I mean. Yeah. You play an overtime and then you do the right. Yeah, but I just I don't like how referees swallow their whistle in the postseason. Where in the rule book does it say that you're allowed to get away with more infractions right. in the postseason? Right. That just makes that's never made sense I'm to right me. With you, bro. Uh, outside of the Pittsburgh Steelers, Chris. Three question Thursday. Question number two. Sure. Most intriguing storyline that you want to, uh, you know, see play out in the NFL this year? Most intriguing storyline. Like, I'll, t- I'll tell you mine while you have a second yeah, to think. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, give me a second. There's here. a lot of hype in the NFC. Mm-hmm. The Bucks, the Saints, the Packers. This One of those teams is going to have a bad year. Yeah. I don't know who. Vikings, Seahawks. Like, we talk about how deep the NFC is and how we expect a lot of these teams to win 9, 10, 11 games, make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking Bucks, Saints, Packers. Okay. Of those three teams, one's going to have a bad year. I just don't know who. That's what I'm most intrigued to watch. We we assume all these teams in the NFC are going to be hunky dory, fantastic. It's going to go wrong for one of them. Who's it going to be? It's a good it's a good storyline. I'm interested to see how Cam Newton does in New England because not just for Cam Newton's sake, but we're in a stage right now in the history of the NFL where there there are the of the young quarterbacks that are killing the game right now. And even not as as young, but you've got Russell Wilson, Patrick Mahomes, Deshaun Watson, and Lamar Jackson. You could argue that those guys are four of the top five, four of the top six, four of whatever. They're four of the you best. You throw Aaron Rodgers in there, and that's probably my top five. Exactly. Yeah. This is an era of black quarterbacks killing the game, doing it right, showing the world that, yeah, Black dudes can be quarterbacks and be great quarterbacks. Yeah, that whole in the '90s, you can't win with with. Uh, I mean, that with was black a thing. That was a re- no, that was de- that was a real thing. Twenty-five years ago, that was a thing. Um, and, and you still hear people like Bill Polian saying that you know Lamar Jackson should be a wide receiver or something like that. Cam Newton was kind of an usher for his era. He was first overall pick. He carried the Panthers. Took him to huge 15. in college. Won the Heisman. Oh, won the national he, championship. You know, yeah, he he was the man at Auburn. Um, you you look at that and you see Cam Newton last year of all years. You know he's out for most of the season. He he's hurt, and you see the flourishing of all of, of this revolution of black quarterbacks in the NFL. And now he's coming back, and now he's replacing the guy that everyone says is the greatest quarterback of all time in Tom Brady. I just I'm so intrigued to see how he does and how he contributes to that conversation moving forward because there was at one time I was saying like you know Cam Newton's a top 5 quarterback that MVP season he may not be a top 5 overall passer or the, your your drop back quarterback but he was one of the most dangerous people oh, yeah, in the sure. NFL he was an NFL MVP carried his team to being 15 and 1 and was went up against a legendary defense of that Broncos team that that was able to I mean they they shut down Tom Brady the the, the game before yeah. that um so I want to see how he does, how and how and how it's it's compared to the contemporary younger quarterbacks that are taking over the NFL. I like it. That's a good one. We got about three minutes left here, so we got to hustle. Three question Thursday. Question number three. Uh, we were talking to our buddy Merrill Hodge in here earlier. Yeah. And you were telling uh, about how he was kind of the one who inspired you to start doing film study. Yes. Who uh, who were those? The first people 
that ever made you think, you know what, doing this whole broadcasting media thing, eh, sports media, that could be fun. Who were the ones who inspired you or, you know, the first first sparked your interest? That's a good question. Um, like growing up for me, I loved Scott Van Pelt. I loved Scott Van Pelt. Um, I loved Mike Lang. I still do love Mike Lang. Um, Tony Caridi, who's the voice of WVU football and basketball. For me, it was a lot of play-by-play guys growing up. And mm-hmm. and that's the first, that's how I broke into this business out of college, and that's kind of what I wanted to do until I did it for a few years and realized how much travel and how strenuous it is. Uh, but, yeah, for me, SVP, Mike Lang, Tony Caridi, who is the voice of the Mountaineers. I'd say uh, one guy that always got me on uh, – uh, on, on, you know, for ESPN was Stuart Scott. Oh, great one! Just the great one. The excitement he brought to it, the flavor he brought to it. One guy that uh, that I loved as a host, I loved the way he, how he handled himself professionally was John Saunders. Another great uh, one. hosted. Uh, he hosted the sports reporters, and he really would be a lot to, of those ES, those early ESPN guys. I love those. Dan Patrick. Man. Dan Patrick. Um, I still love Michael Wilbon. Michael Wilbon. He's, he's a great person. Dude, him and uh, him and Reality are still. I mean, all these decades later, they mm-hmm. they still kill and it together. Him and Tony every Kornheiser, day. they're they're they're. Or sorry, yeah, not Reality. No, Kornheiser, but, but yeah. Reality was their was their stat was their guy. Their stat guy. That's and right. Now, and now he runs around the horn. Right. Um. But those guys, I've always wa- admired people that can that can have fun with a sports conversation, 100%. but also but still inform you. Say we're not we're not just informing you about sports. We're gonna get serious here about what's going on in the world, and that. I've always appreciated, and and those those are some of the guys. And then there's plenty out there. There's plenty of guys out there who I, I, I love how they how they do the game. Um, you know, I've I've always loved Jim Nance, Pat Summerall, as far as game days. Um, you know, as far as like you know the the classic feel. Al Michaels, a legend there. Uh, I love Gus Johnson. I love to hear him talk up. You know, talk about college football. So those are my guys. All right, let's get to the tweets here quickly. Josh says you guys got to stop playing that uh, last clip of Colbert We're telling sorry, Shazier he's never, going to re- or he's never going to retire from being a Steeler. I'm trying to work over here. Uh, BPR says Steelers fan in St. Louis. I usually only listen during football season. It's so great to hear the show again. Thank you, BPR. We appreciate it. Yes, we do. Uh, me, with an exclamation point, says Westman and Monsieur Carter. I mean, look at you. You're just moving up in the world, Monsieur. baby. Uh, question of the day. More stellar touchdowns this season. Juju or Deontay? That's tough. Yards, I'm going to go Deontay. Yeah, uh, that's what, touchdowns, see, that's, I'm going to go Juju. That's where I was leaning because I'm thinking like Deontay's going to get open more, but when, it, when they get in the red zone, I think Juju with his size and how he's he's done that for for Ben a little bit more, I think that that's going to be an advantage yet. So yeah, I'm going to go with touchdowns, Juju, yards, Deontay. But I, I think you're going to see a, a lot of spreading the ball out a little bit more this year than we are used to seeing. Uh, ben, ben Roethlisberger's time, mostly because through most of the years he's had Antonio Brown or Heinz Ward or, or a, a guy that's a clear number one, um, and, uh, and and based it off that. So, but yeah, I'm with you on that. Me also says uh, follow up side question: Construct for me your award winning burger. I'm real simple when it comes to burgers. Yeah, I'm, I'm not a fan. I want it. Burger. I want it off my own grill in mm-hmm. the summertime. Yeah, I think a juicy cheeseburger off your own grill in mm-hmm. the summertime is like the most refreshing food you can have. Cheese, lettuce, onion, ketchup, tomato. I, that's, I, 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 I but it's got. I got to grill it myself, and it's got to be that perfect medium, medium rare balance. Right. That, 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 yeah. See, I'll go medium well on a burger, medium rare on every other type of red meat. But with burgers, I like it to be a, a little bit better, a little more grilly there. Um, you know, I, I, my dad, he, I mean, it's, it's probably cause I rose, rose up in my dad's cooking. He burned everything. Um, but, <laughs> uh, but my favorite burger is I like, like You're I taking the shots he, and pops. He, he talked about, he talked about, you know, hot sauce and things, but my favorite burger is you slap a burger on a bun, put some nice, like yellow cheese, some cheddar cheese, you know, you can have some, you know, but I don't even need the lettuce. Give me some pickles. Give me some ketchup, and I even throw some mustard on it, and and put and make it gushy, like you know, put it on there and just be like, mm. you know, you're mixing up all the flavors there, and I, I can go to town on that. I might have a burger now tonight. Thank you, me for making me uh, <laughs> want to be fat again. I just had a burger on Monday on Labor Day, or else I might be right there with you. Uh, David, hashtag Carter still hates bananas. 
I do. I do. 100%. Uh, the bananas are the worst thing in the world. Um, bananas, uh, to all the bananas out there listening, I suggest that you uh, get a life. That you get to step in. Get to step uh, Thrash wants to know, if the Steelers can stay healthy, do you think they can do what the 49ers did last year? Absolutely. Absolutely. They've got a better quarterback. Better quarterback. They've got a, a receiving core I think is a lot deeper. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't have the t- I mean, they don't have the tight end that Kittle is, but I think Ebron and McDonald can make up for it. More Their experienced coaching there. staff. And I think this is a better defense than what the Niners had last year. I think so, too. I think so, too. Last one here to send us off on our Thursday. Uh, Antonio wants to know, besides depth, what would you say your biggest concern is with the defense? I mean, that's my, that's my concern. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm so confident about this defense right yeah, now. me too. I mean, um, it's, it's going to be funny. Maybe Edmonds taking a step forward. Ed, Ed, I mean, Ed, like, legitimately. That right. Like, or Devin Bush you're, taking a step forward. The, the biggest things would be if Edmonds and, and Bush don't yes, progress. Don't progress. I guess that would be it. But – uh, Minka, just if he's just what he is last yeah. year, he's they're, they're great. If the corners are just what they were last year, they're great. If the front four is just what they were last year, they're great. This the, this defense is getting most of its piece. The only thing they're missing is Javon Hargrave for depth. That's yeah. it. Yeah, they're, they're they're set to go. Javon and Barron. I mean, that's the difference. The, the, the biggest the biggest thing that will derail them this year is if they get, get have to deal with a rush of injuries, yeah. which we hope doesn't happen. And which again, that that derail any NFL team, not just the Steelers. Certainly. Carter, good stuff today, buddy. Uh, to everybody who rocked with us for the full two hours, again, we apologize for some of those technical issues that we had. But I feel like, you know, we did a couple good segments to start, a couple good segments to end. That's what it's all about, right? How you start and how you finish. Nobody yeah. remembers the, the middle end. Anyway. <laughs> At least that's what they told me in, in my film class that I took in school. <laughs> Chris Carter, remember, if you're not familiar with his work, shame on you for six weeks. But read him, DK Pittsburgh Sports. Yep. Listen to the Locked on Steelers podcast. He's all over the place. Hear him here on SNR. Hear him with Adam Crowley on ESPN Pittsburgh all the time. Uh, again, at Carter Critiques. You can follow him on Twitter. Moats is back tomorrow. Oh, it's Friday, week one. Yeah, buddy. That means we will be Picks. showing you. That means we will be showing you the, the money. money. And for the first time in 2020, we will have a five-star Friday. So we'll talk to Yins tomorrow. Same time, high noon, and as always, the same place. Your 24-7 home of the black and gold. Steelers Nation Radio.